The people in darkness have seen a great light. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called the Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I can see your heart in everything you make. Every burning star I see. Fantastic. Can we just give our band a huge uh, thank you just before we go any further? They've done a great job tonight. We'll let them sit down for five minutes. But um, I just want to welcome you again to our carol service. If you were just a bit late, late in, my name's Gareth, myself and Hannah. We're the senior leaders here of the church. Um, I want to bring a really short message, if I can, probably about two and a half hours, um, just to kind of talk to you about Christmas. Um, just because of the church, we've been in a Christmas series that we've called The Greatest Gift. Um, and it's based on a passage that we find in Luke's Gospel. You've already had it read to you tonight where an angel visits Mary. The angel says this, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And, and the angel gives Mary this announcement. There's three parts to it because the angel says that, that God will give Mary. And there's three parts. He says you will conceive and give birth to a son. So we have, in, 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 in one sense, we have the gift of a son. And then the angel says, you will name him Jesus. That name Jesus is actually a Hebrew name. Um, in, in the Hebrew, it's, it's Yeshua. Um, the Old Testament was written in mostly Hebrew, but a little bit of, of, of Aramaic. And, and what we have now is the Latin translation of the Hebrew, uh, which, which is where we get Jesus from. And the name Jesus means the Lord is salvation it literally means Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation this this angel says that he will save people from their sins so we have the gift of a savior in a, in a parallel text in Matthew's gospel the angel visit Joseph says she'll have a son name him Jesus he will save his people from their sins and then the last thing this angel says is the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David he will reign over Israel his kingdom will never end. We have the gift of a king. And I want to think about gifts for a moment this evening because when we think about Christmas, naturally we think about gifts. Christmas for all of us will probably involve one or at least one sort of gift. You may be buying a gift, you may be receiving a gift. I don't know if you know this, I did some research. The average shopper in the UK will spend £602 on Christmas presents this year. If you're in London, that, that amount goes up to £973. Now, that's an average. Some people will spend far more. Some people will spend far less. As a country, we're expected to spend £85 billion this Christmas on presents. £30 billion of that will be online. That was his scary numbers, and, and it got me thinking, well, why do we do it? Why do we spend huge amounts of money on, on these gifts? And the tradition of giving gifts, they think, stems from the wise men where they come to give their gifts to Jesus. But I want to suggest there are three reasons. Actually, who likes receiving gifts? Giving gifts is one thing. Getting a gift 
is something else. And I was just thinking about this, and I thought, you know, give, being given a gift, receiving a gift, it, it impacts us. And I think there's three reasons for that. The first reason is this. The gifts show you as a receiver that someone had you on their mind. Someone was thinking about you. They actually spent time thinking about you. Now, I don't know about you, but Christmas for us is a really, really busy time. And there are moments where we have more task than time. But when you receive a gift, that gift tells you someone went out of their way and they were thinking about you. As a church, it was our privilege this year. We're, we're a collection center for Samaritan's Purse. And as a, as a church and as a community, we sent out just short of 550 shoeboxes out to children who might not have received anything this Christmas. Now, 550 children received a gift that told them someone somewhere went out of their way because they thought about them. Do you know what? We all want to know that. We all want to know that someone is thinking about us, that someone loves us, that someone appreciates us. A gift tells us that someone had us on their mind. Secondly, my gifts, they show you the person who gave you the gift understands you. Not only did they think about you, but they took the time to think about, okay, what would you like? What is important to you? They took the time to work out what is the best gift to give you. And when we've all had, and I'm sure you've had them, me and Hannah call them special gifts. Gifts where people haven't thought. An Arsenal shirt, for me, would be a special gift. I'll just lay that groundwork down right now. But we've had those gifts where the, the person, and we receive the gift, and you go, wow, you give me, because you know me, you understand me. That might be from, from husbands, wives, close friends, uh, because you know each other. You, you understand each other, and you're showing your understanding of each other through that gift you give. The last thing about gifts is they're not actually tied to anything. You know, we do give and receive gifts, but, but, but if something's truly a gift, there's no expectation that you give a gift back. Because it's a gift. There's no transaction. There's no, there's no swap. A gift is a gift. It's given with no expectation of reciprocity. A gift is given and it's not tied to anything. There's a passage in the Bible. It's a very famous verse and it talks about God giving us a gift. It says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life so God has given us a gift and over the last couple of weeks we've looked at this idea of God has given us a son I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about God giving us a savior and next Sunday we're going to talk about God giving us a king and and, and in these gifts is showing us actually that God had us on his mind can I tell you tonight God had you on his mind God has you on his mind. From the, from the start of creation, God had you on his mind. The Bible says the God who spoke to the darkness, who created light, who, who put the planets and the stars in his place, he thinks about you. I never noticed this until now, but this is really interesting. There are 25 words in that verse. And, and the first 12 words are all about God. The last 12 words are all about us. But the middle word is son. And it's the son that brings everything together. 
It's the son that brings man and God together. It's the love of God that compels him to give us this gift. This verse, John 3.16, in the Greek translation, uh, we get this word so. He so loved. And, and the, the, in the Greek there, that word so, it's a verb of, of, of like intensity. And what it means is that nobody will ever love you with the intensity that God does. And it trans, it, there's kind of a, a, a translation that talks about this is extravagant, lavish, beyond comprehension, and it's unconditional. A guy called Paul wrote this, that nothing in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. I get hope from that line, nothing. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter how many times I've done, done something. God's love is not based on what I do. God's love is based on who he is. God will never love you any more than he does right now. And he'll never love you any less either. Paul writes in another letter, he says, May you have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep this love is. God's love is long, it's eternal. Can I tell you, our love wears out? But God's love is eternal. God's love is wide, it's wide enough to be everywhere. There isn't a place you can be where God's love can't reach you. God's love is deep. It's deep enough to handle anything, no matter how deep down you might feel. God's love is deeper. God's love is high enough to overcome any barrier. Whatever barrier you think might kind of separate you from God, that might be uh, hurt, that might be pain, that might be shame, that might be guilt, that might be your own uncertainty. You know, you could be sat here thinking, I'm just not sure about this God stuff. I'm not even sure if there is a God. Can I tell you, God's love is high enough to get over that. God so loved the world, everyone, all of us, that he gave his only begotten son. God had us on his mind. The gift also tells us that the giver understands us. I remember once, and I can't remember how or why or or even who, who it was, but someone bought me a pair of wireless headphones. Now, I didn't know I needed wireless headphones until I got a pair of wireless headphones. As, as you can tell, I, I like to run. As you can tell, I am a, I'm a specimen of physical fitness. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, that's just rude. All right, I like to run when I can. Let's put it that way. But, but wireless headphones, they were an absolute game changer. They changed everything about my run and, and they were bought for me because someone understood the difference they would make to my life. They understood the difference they would make to my run. They were bought for me because someone understood what would make my life better. And I'm sure you've, you've had or been given similar presents, gifts that, that show the person giving you the gift has understood you, understood what would make your life better, understood the difference this gift would make to you. Can I suggest that God gave us his son as a gift because he understands what will make our life better? He understands the difference that that this could make to our lives. In in the Bible, if you go back to the very start of the Bible, we've got Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, we're told they were sinless. They had this close relationship with God, uh, so close that God gave Adam the task of naming the animals. And I've always imagined what that was like. You know, you've got Adam in the garden and God says, okay, Adam, here's all these animals. You can name them. Now, can you imagine Adam? And an animal walks past and he goes... Hippopotamus. 
And God's thinking, I should have made the woman first. <laughs> but you can imagine it, Adam's going round and he's going, rhinoceros, iguana, kangaroo, aardvark, and he's going on and on and on and on. And then after a couple of hours, Adam's getting tired. Fox. Dog. And then the last animal comes past and Adam goes, cat. And God goes, whoa, whoa, I didn't make that one. But we know how that narrative ends. That Adam and Eve, and Adam is just as responsible as Eve, by the way. Read the text. Adam was there. He was part of it. It's not all on Eve. But, but, but they, 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 they go against God. They, they, they sin against God. And actually, it causes a separation between us and God. We can't have the same relationship with God that Adam and Eve did. God's holy. We're not. Heaven is a perfect place. There's no sin. No sorrow, no suffering, no sadness, no evil of any kind. Heaven is perfect, and we're not, and we're imperfect. We've got the capacity to hurt each other. We've got the capacity to hurt ourselves through our words, our thoughts, our actions, and, and we are just imperfect people, and if we got to heaven, we'd make heaven imperfect. I remember once uh, reading a letter that a child wrote to Santa. It said this, Dear Santa, there are three little boys in our house. Jeffrey's two. He's good part of the time. Philip's four, he's good some of the time. Norman is six, and he's good all of the time. I'm Norman. <laughs> Can I tell you, none of us are Norman. None of us are good all the time. That's why we need a savior. Bible says everyone sinned. Everyone has either done, said, or thought something that was wrong. And, and in, in, in our society, in every society there's ever been, if you do something wrong, if you steal, if you, if you hurt someone, if you kill someone, there's a punishment. Do you know, we tell our children to be good. And if they're not good, there are consequences. Who has threatened this Christmas to tell Santa when their children are playing up? There are consequences. It's the same with us and God. There's, there's a price to be paid. Justice demands that there's a punishment. If you break the law, you have to pay a penalty. If you break God's law, you have to pay the penalty. And the Bible's quite harsh with this because it says the wages of sin is death. That doesn't mean death is in dying, by the way, but what it means is, because we'll all die, but there's a metaphor there that says, actually, this is eternal separation from God. What you get is eternally separated from God. And that's what we deserve. But the thing is, that was never God's plan. God said, I'm going to restore that relationship back to how it was with Adam. So, so in that plan, someone has to pay for our sin, either us or someone else. And, and here's the good news of Christmas, that everything you've ever done, done, done that's, that's wrong, that's bad, that's selfish or self-centered, anything you've ever done to hurt anybody else, it's already been paid for. This verse ends with this, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's a free gift. A life in relationship with God. There's a, there's a paraphrase of the, the Bible called the message. It's not the Bible, but it's a, it's a paraphrase. And I love the way it puts this verse. It says, when Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good. Not only ours, but the whole world's. Another place in the Bible says this, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin." So that we could be made right with God through Christ.
This is all about restoring our relationship with God. It's the thing we need the most. And God sent Jesus as a gift of a saviour to die in our place so that we could be made right with God. And that's what makes the gospel, you know, the, the story of Jesus, I think for me, this is what makes it so real. Uh, because it's different to everything else you read, everything else you kind of watch on TV. You think of all the, all the fantasy movies you'll watch this Christmas. You might have noticed this. Every fairy tale, every fantasy movie, it's all about protect the king. It's all about protect the queen. It's all about rescue the princess. But if you, you know, people give their lives to, to save the king, to rescue the king. But in God's story, the king dies for us. The king dies to rescue us because he understands we need rescuing he understands that we need God he understands we need there's a deep desire in all of us to have a relationship with God God gave us his son because he understood what would make a difference in our lives I'm gonna invite the band back up last thing about this gift is not tied to anything there's no expectation on, on the receiver to do anything paul writes this that christ arrives right on time to make this happen he didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready but he presented himself for this death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready and even if we hadn't been so weak we wouldn't have known what to do anyway we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. It'd be different if we, we were trying to do everything right or, or we tried to earn it or, or tried to do something to deserve it. But the reality is we can't and we don't. Verse said, Christ died while we were still sinners. He said, I'll take all your badness on me and I'll put all my goodness into you one of the phrases we use here as a church is god didn't come jesus didn't come to make bad people good he came to bring dead people to life and, and you might be here thinking but you, you don't know what i've done you don't know the kind of life i've lived can i tell you it doesn't matter because we've all done something wrong and god didn't send his son because we're good god sent his son because he's good God didn't want to bless us because we did anything right. God wants to bless us just because he wants to bless us. It's a difference, by the way, between religion and salvation. Religion, in every other major world religion, the religion is about do this, do this, do this, do this. Salvation says it's done. When Jesus went to the cross, one of his final words were this, it's finished. Jesus was saying, it's done. There is no more price to pay. There is nothing you need to do to earn God's love. It's been paid for by the blood of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This gift isn't tied to anything. It's for everyone. Whoever believes in him, doesn't matter how far from God you think you are. The Bible says this, it's through God's kindness 
It's not through our good works, because, because if it was, God's grace would not be what it really is. If we did anything to, to earn this, it wouldn't be free. But it's free and undeserved. It doesn't matter what your religious background is. You could be here and, and brought up Catholic, Buddhist, Muslim. You could, have been, you could be you know, raised an atheist. You might not have a religious background at all. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor, if you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're popular or not. The Bible says this, nothing could be plain that God has no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. I think Jesus is an equal opportunity savior. And this gift... The gift of salvation, it's free and it's for everyone. And here's what we received. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, wrote this. He says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given, we've been gifted a brand new life and we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And that future starts now. And you might be here and thinking, but I just don't get it. Can I tell you that's okay? I don't have to understand the chemistry, the, the, the digestive system to enjoy my Christmas dinner. I don't have to understand the science behind the TV to enjoy watching it. I don't have to understand anything to benefit from it, but I can trust in it. I don't understand why God could love me, but I've learned to trust it. I trust that God didn't just tell us he loved us, but he showed us in the most expensive way he could. He sent his son, the gift of a savior, because he was thinking of us, because he knows the difference it would make in our lives, and he gives it with no request of us at all. We're going to sing our next carol, and, and, and the words are this, O holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It's the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. When you're pining, you're waiting for something. There's something you need, something you want, something you're, you're waiting for. It's pining until he appeared and our souls felt our worth goes on it says a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices there's a a thrill of hope that is only found in Jesus because that gift of salvation it brings new life it brings that new and glorious morning it brings a new day new life an eternal relationship with God gives significance it shows the giver is thinking about us and understands us the carol says he knows our needs to our weakness he's no stranger we're going to pray I want you to consider the gift a gift given by a God who thought of you the Bible says he knows how many hairs there are on your head it says he planned your days before you were even born it says he sings over you songs of joy We can receive a gift that was given by a God who understands us more than anyone else.
who understands what we need, who understands what would make the biggest difference in our lives. We have a gift in front of us that's given with no uh, reciprocity, no, 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 no expectation of giving anything back, but it's free and it's undeserved. So I'm going to pray a quick prayer and I'd love you to join in with me if you want to take that gift from just being in front of you and just take it into your heart. And just pray this prayer with me. God, thank you for sending the greatest gift. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for my new life. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. God, would you help me? to receive the gift in all its fullness in my life.